classes in session. Hey guys, it's on Learn 16 classes in session. And today, today I have Conscious Lee from TikTok. George Lee, one of the most impressive educators, creators, incredibly aware. I learn something new from him every single day. And welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing really yeah. fine on this lovely Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Getting to talk with you. I think that it's cool when Americans and Canadians talk specifically about uh, social cultural issues to me. I mm-hmm. feel like it's, it's always, it's always, I feel like very uh, intriguing. That's the word I'm going to use. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think there's always potential for growth and potential for, you know what I'm saying? There's people that are, for us to learn insight on each other's Oh, bullshit, colonial ass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's it's so funny because you use that term and it's like when I speak to a lot of those issues and, I, and I'll have Americans talking about it and then I'll be like, you know, they're like, oh, you're Canadian. I'm like, well, let's not pretend like we don't have the same beginnings, right? right? We just, we did we it a little bit differently, a little bit differently, but but make no mistake, we're, we're both born from the same colonized force anyways it just rolled out differently and we have different governmental systems that use it differently but i think it's you know foundational to both countries and which is what i guess yeah how how i would explain it is the relationship that canada has with america you really can understand white kinship you feel what i'm saying you can understand how we having a a global analysis of white supremacy, we can recognize, though there might be trials, tribulations, and even like some type of oppositional ideologies or perspectives. Shit, at the end of the day, when the, the white folks in Canada get pissed off and the white folks in America get pissed off, we are, you know, historically, it's going to be coming together and all those nationalistic beefs going to get put to the side and we're going to deal with the color of people we got to deal with, whether we got to go colonize another island or we got to kick some motherfuckers out of the continent. That's really why I see it. Like First Nations people, you feel me, and mm-hmm. indigenous folks of America, shit, all you got to do is pick up, a, you can go to a good, how America, I mean, how the world is now, you can go to TikTok. You can type in some shit and find 15 seconds of somebody giving you a profound analysis or go to YouTube and just, so that's how I see it. Like really, Canada, American, y'all colonial cousins, man. Absolutely. Well, it's absolutely. And and those foundational. So when I talk about things, it's interesting because you guys have a huge, huge sort of conversation and, and, and this dichotomous blow about CRT. And people ask me about critical race theory. I go, well, I teach all critical theories. Why would I not be teaching that one? I teach feminism. I teach sociology. Well, that's not for school. I go, is theory not for school? What the heck am I going to teach in school then? You just want me to teach what? How to color in a map? No, I'm sorry. That's not education, right? Yeah, but I think that what I learned from being in debate in college is that a lot of times when we start talking about things in, in the specificity, it's a lot of shit that's always been seen as the default. So when you start getting specific and it deviates from the norm, that's when people start to feel like you're, you're starting to label things. What I recognize, and I feel like you also recognize, is that when it comes to, like, you know, I can even take the, the supremacy out of it. When it comes to Eurocentrism, Eurocentric ideology, it's like there's a theory behind it. The idea that life, land, and liberty, or whatever John Locke said, it's like, yeah, that is a theory. You know what I'm saying? If you Absolutely. believe in social Darwinism or the goddamn discovery doctrine, that is a theory. And I oh, think that yeah. a lot of times when it comes to whiteness and white supremacy, what's seen as being the norm is not labeled. So when you start to label things, that's when people start. You're trying to divide us, and how come we all can't just be Canadians? 
Right. There I it know. is. Shit, I don't know how Canada works, but I know in America, as soon as my black ass came out the womb, they slapped me and labeled me with a gender. They labeled me with a sex. They labeled me with a, you feel me, a goddamn, you know, a uh, race. And this is like, unfortunately, the sex and gender gets conflated, and that's supposed to be lost in the sauce here in the States. I can't speak for it, you know what I'm saying, Canada. But it's just Absolutely. like, hey, don't tell me I'm being divisive when I'm literally reifying what the place that you love so nearly and dearly put on me. I didn't Absolutely. say I was black. America said I was black. Well, it's so funny. I had a I had a gentleman in my comments the other day, and and it was on Twitter. Twitter's a mean fr- like TikTok is like a certain kind, whatever. It's kind of like nice mean, but t- Twitter, Twitter, a guy flat out's like, "Where do you work?" I said, "I'm not. A, are you crazy?" I mean, I, I you know came very aggressive, but it's somebody said, "When did racism start?" That's what he said, and 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 initially I thought. Oh, he wants to have like a cool discussion about the create, you know, the creation of the five races and how it wasn't a biological imperative. And so I'm going to that. Well, that's not what he wanted. Of course, that's not what he wanted. He want, yeah, no, he not want you to get into the historical nature of science, like, like, right? What was it? Scientific racism and the what's the dude name? Did he didn't want to get that? He really was trying to catch you up. There we go. It was like the late 1700s. I said, well, into yeah, the late 1700s, like, yeah. there was no yeah. scientific classification. Life or Nitis, whatever the dude name, he started the yeah. classifications. And he yeah, hierarchized exactly. the humans and shit. Yeah, they don't like to hear that, though. And what I recognize in America is that a lot of times when we start to have conversations around race and racism, it's always centered around the comfort of white people. And I mm-hmm. think that what I've learned from being, being intersectional is that when you go into different, you know what I'm saying, subsets of America, regardless of a lot of those other things, shit, motherfucker let you know, like, nah, but I still think that I should be able to have investment and benefit from my white kinship. You know what I mean? Like, I literally read something, and it's not even just America, I read something, it's also, you know, our colonial cut. It, 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 actually, America and Canada would be like colonial siblings in Britain to be like one of the aunties or uncles or some shit like that, right? Yeah. This 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 gay white dude in, in the UK says some shit like, you know, I'm a Tony. Tony is like the conservative party of the UK shit. He says oh, some yeah, shit yeah. like, it was harder for me to come out as conservative than to come out as gay. And it was like, bruh. <laughs> bruh. You know what? You know what? And I, and I try to address this sometimes and, you know, the, the one minute or the three minute window doesn't do justice. Right. But the notion of the notion of that bubble and I'm going to be I'll be, you know, straight up with everybody not to use a, a poor choice of words there. But I was straight and I was obviously white and I was born into a Christian family and I grew up with some money and I grew up in a suburb of Toronto. Okay, so I lived a very pretty little packaged life. I I thought when I was a kid, when I was in politics class in high school, I I labeled myself a conservative because I, I can see it so clearly. The idea that pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps or we're each individually responsible. I never felt any of that weight. Right. Ever. And then. As I got older, I started feeling it from being a woman. I started feeling it a little bit. I started being like, and I started to get educated at university. I started to feel like when I tried to buy my first car and everybody kept telling me what colors there were to choose from rather than the, like just stupid crap like that, right? Or I went into like a an electronic store to buy a television and they'd answer the guy I was dating. And the guy's like, dude, I don't know about TVs. You should answer her. 
those kind of things. But again, those are heavy. Those are just kind of like little, okay, that's kind of weird. But then when I, when I came out, which I was like 24 years old. Shit got real. It started getting disowned. Yeah. And you got what happened to me, I think. And this is what, in my opinion, needs to happen to everybody. I got shoved out of that bubble. It was like a big kick in the butt right out of that bubble. Right. And now I was in a whole different world and even better. I was seeing the world differently. Um, not perfectly, not perfectly. The color of my skin still gives me privilege where I live still gives me privilege. How much money I got in the bank still gives me privilege. Awareness though. It gave you the awareness to even add that layer of how you identify yourself and how you navigate the world. If you're able to even, even, you know what I'm saying? So that's why that's how I get So how do we do that? Here's the question. How do we do that? Because let's assume people that are in that bubble aren't horrible. I know there are horrible people. Let's assume they're just in this rose-colored glass bubble and they genuinely look at you and I and go, I don't know what you're talking about because I don't see it because I've never felt it. How do we, you know, come at though? Because we're both educators, right? We both want to bring that person out of the bubble because we both know they just need to wake up. They don't necessarily need to be smacked down necessarily. You know what I mean? I want to pull them over here. I feel like I'm making a two-pronged process. The first thing I would say is kind of more of like a prerequisite. And it has to be understood for us to move to the, ne- to, to the next and final step. But to me, it's just recognizing that just because you didn't experience it or you didn't see it don't mean it don't exist. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never been catcalled in a way women's been catcalled. That don't mean that catcalling don't don't exist. You know what I'm saying? I've never been killed by the police. That don't mean that police brutality and peace and killing. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is that we have to be able to see yourself as the bad person. It's easy to say the sexism and the racism and the homophobia and the ableism is outside of you. You see what I'm saying? It's harder, though, for you to be like, damn, this the way that I'm sexist. This the way that I'm homophobic. This the way that I'm transphobic. And you know what? Not only this is the way, this is one of the many ways in how I get in the way of progression of women. Because I see it is, like, I feel like white people should want to be an anti-racist racist. Mm-hmm. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? And the yeah. reason why I'm using this terminology is because I'm recognizing that structures are important. And those structures position us how we move throughout the world. You feel what I'm saying? I'm going to use the example of saying I'm an anti-sexist sexist. I disagree with sexism and consciousness. That shit is bad in every instance. But I recognize just because I didn't read some feminism books and I can throw at you some 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 jargon about you know what I'm saying misogyny and patriarchy, this don't mean I'm not immune from being sexist. So when I say I'm an anti-sexist sexist, this means I'm going to stay implicated in my maleness and my masculinity. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. knowing that shit, I still get privileged and I still, you feel me, not only get privileged, I still will my privilege, you feel me, that is literally counterproductive to the progression of women. You see what Can I'm saying? To me, it's, it's important. Give me an example of that for you right now. An example what, what is, say, yeah, what would you say, like on the sexist level, what would you say that maybe you're still embodying or you're fighting to try to separate yourself from or gain acknowledgement and awareness of? Man, I'm trying to gain a knowledge. I'm trying to gain knowledge and awareness of when it comes to me giving analysis about gender, just period. Me having to always unlearn, relearn, deprogram myself from all of the ways in which I've been condition to think about me as being an intellectual, me as being a human, and how my manhood and masculinity is what infuses that. So us having a conversation right now, you see what I'm saying? It makes it where I have to make sure I'm not jumping to cut you off. 
I'm thinking about the time. So if we talk for an hour in the podcast, you feel me? I know I'm a, I'm a guest, so by nature, sometimes guests speak a little bit more, but I still want to think about, okay, if we were to have somebody do an analytics, how much time is consciously speaking compared to Jay? Right, right. You see what I'm saying? And then and also we're thinking up too, just like shit. Just 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 like right now, it's a trend on TikTok of women making fun of dudes on podcasts. Yes. I, I happen to be a dude with a podcast, right? What I know is easy to do. A lot of white liberals do this in America. Black folks start talking about white people and then white liberals act like they're not implicated. Right. You see what I'm saying? So in this instance, it's like, oh, get me wrong, Jay, the shit funny. And most of the shit I don't think, I don't agree with, I don't believe it, but I don't get to leave my maleness masculinity to be like, aha, those men are dumb. And not, you a man too, my guy. It's yeah, easy yeah, for you to be yeah. like, those dudes are dumb. But in this comedy, in this satire, what parts of it are you implicated in? You that is an I'm amazing saying? question. Being real with you, I, I have a hard time thinking about money, my marriage, me being a country southerner that's supposed to be a protector and a provider, yeah. and what that means for me as being more you feel me? Progressive, conscious, and woke at 31. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not 21. I'm not 19. I'm not 11, but shit, I'm from, I'm from Texas. I'm born and raised in Texas. That's why I'm born and raised from, you feel me? That's why I'm country. Yeah. A lot of the shit that I got instilled in me in terms of how do I love, how I raise a family, how I take care of my family. I know it's patriarchal. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's a lot of ways that I don't even came to grips with, but how, and how I either A, perpetuate the shit or be you to believe in it. You don't recognize you believe in this notion. So I'm finding it. I'm laughing why everybody laughing too, but I'm still thinking of it like, nah, these women that are satirically making fun of men on podcasts, I'm implicated in this criticism. The yeah. question is, how can, how can I understand I'm implicated and not just be like, not me. I'm not like those white people over there. I'm not like those men over there. It's like, nah, there nigga, you know what talking about. Right? There it is. And it's really interesting because I think, and, and I don't, I'm really trying to get at why people, because with, with the whole critical race theory and the whole, you know, all of this group of, of predominantly white upper class Americans saying, well, it wasn't me. It, I don't want my kids feeling guilty. I don't want, right, that thing that they keep playing on. Why is it so hard? Because it's not hard for me. It's not hard for me to step back and go, wow, I was being sexist. And I mean sexist against, I tell a story about how I used to be very protective and very almost controlling about how my young female students dressed. And I was very much like, you put a sweatshirt on. You internalized hyper-masculinity. You internalized yeah. benevolent sexism. There we go. And I put it on until a 16-year-old sat me down and said, you're wrong. You're wrong because what you're doing, Joanna, is you're putting the expectations and everything on young women instead of judging and putting limits on what young men are allowed to get away with. And I'm like, I have a law right now. I find this TikTok right now. This girl, this black girl that's obviously been raised through them church camps, of her literally turning the male gaze and literally going to, at, at first, you don't know where she at because it's starting out. But you start off like, hey, 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 uh, little Sam, um, you should really think about your fellow sisters, you know, and, and, and you being a stumbling block. You have on these gray sweatpants and I think you just can't be, you know, sister so-and-so. And she's literally referring to grown women. But in my mind, she's showing you how insidious the male gaze is in terms of thinking about responsibility and shit, which our students get on you about. 
victim blaming. It's like, hey, so what you telling yeah. me is that if I come to this classroom looking fine than a motherfucker, you <laughs> think that it is my fault for looking fine and not the other person that's trying to objectify and or you feel me like violate me? That's there awesome. Is. And I think that there you know. But hey, we talk like that though. Patriarchy teaches like that though. A hundred percent. You know, there was this amazing, just incredible. And, I, and unfortunately, I've never seen it in person. It was done by an East Coast artist in which they created an installation piece. I think of like 25 outfits that women were sexually assaulted in. And what she did is she put them up, you know, she put the outfit up into like a glass box and beside it said what happened to her, where it happened, how it happened. You go around this room, and I've only done it virtually, you go around this room and you're like, jeans and a t-shirt, running gear, a hoodie, running, you know what I mean? Nobody's seeing a tight, even if they did, but it's just- But it's it, still, like, you still, yeah, you still get you, into it though. You still go there, right? And I go through that, that example, and I think when I tell my students, because I do, academically I understand, it's about power, I tell them that we have that conversation, but in my head, damn it, it's still ingrained. I shouldn't have been out that late. I shouldn't have been wearing that. I shouldn't have had too much to drink. All of that garbage is still a part of my upbringing. Yeah, you said it. Yeah, I don't even got to add to that. You said it right there. Like, what is my yeah. upbringing? It's like, shit, I'm 31 years old. My upbringing is really like, shit, every day I'm still being brought up, really. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of those things that were really instilled in those seeds that were sold and really the motherfuckers came and they, you know what I mean, they, they they flourished and they bloomed. You know what I'm saying? And then those seeds came, you know what I mean? I just think that it's a lot of times we can underestimate how we have to unlearn or redo things or how we have to kind of be reprogrammed and reorient ourselves around problems and not just yeah. someone's size. It's really how I say it simply, it's a process, not an action. Absolutely. And I think that's what a lot of people, they just... They don't want to take on it because it's just, it's so much work, right? It's so much work to look at yourself. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to look at structures constantly too. I want to look at politics. I want to look at education. It's all a part of the same picture. It's not an, a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just fix politics? Or other people have said, Joanna, just fix yourself. I go, it's not an either or. It's intersectionality. That's why I love intersectionality, man. This shit tied together. You feel me? Like, I think that how systems, institutions, structures, organizations, groups, how all that operate, that literally is how we start to understand ourselves, how we affirm ourselves, how we not like ourselves. Once you're excluded from a particular group or you're included in a particular group, whatever aesthetic and your identity allow for you to be included or excluded, you, it's going to impact, you feel me, and influence how you understand that aesthetic. So for me, it's just really thinking about the various ways in which us as humans, I'm not just black, I'm not just straight, I'm not just cisgender, I'm not just educated, I'm not just so I can keep on going. You feel me? I'm not just charismatic. I'm not just a shit talker. There's all these various ways that make up who I am and what I am. And we know that based off of different characteristics. You feel me? Shit. The the black church doesn't want me to be the same way as the white, you know what I'm saying, university. You feel me? The This random industry over here that wants to book me, like literally book me to come speak about this particular thing that's going on their job, it's not going to be with the same high school over there. I just recognize how so many things are intersected and interconnected. And it's it's always good for us to be like a, not an either or, but an and, 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 and. 100%. And, and. and it never stops. And it never stops, right? That building of knowledge, that building of perspective. That's why, I mean, it's not that I don't ever get angry on TikTok and I don't ever get frustrated and maybe go off or, you know, but, but. 
I never feel so much, I guess, um, success, not when everybody agrees with me right off the bat, but somebody sticks around in my live and is like chirping and doing stupid things. And I say, you know what? And people are like, kick him out, kick him out or her. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't kick in. How about they just stay and they can decide if I'm worth it. Give them five minutes. And you know, every once in a while you keep a person around like that and they go, you know what? I came in here with a pre preconception because of how you look or the last TikTok, TikTok I saw. And now I'm staying because you're having a valid, intelligent conversation. And I feel as though that's what this world is lacking. You have this side and this side screaming, screaming, right? And no conversations are having. So people are just choosing teams. And that's not going to do either side. That's not going to serve either side any well. You know what I mean? Yeah, have you a goddamn uh, histor uh, 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 a redoing of the French and Indian War? People just picking sides, goddamn, and going that's at it. What, like, you know, but that's all we're doing. Historical future implications of it. Like, you know what I mean? We're going to beef right now. I'm going to whoop your ass on Monday. I worry about the implications of it on Saturday. <laughs> there, well, that, that, and that's the frustrating part, right? And so we roll into like, we have all of this sort of cancel culture stuff going on right now, or, or the whole Joe Rogan kicking him off Spotify and, and all of that. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I agree with Joe Rogan. Hey, so, but out of curiosity though, specifically, yeah. what did he get kicked off of? Cause I don't know the full details. So he didn't get, so here, here was the deal. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan's on Spotify. He has a, a secured contract with Spotify. That's where his podcast is. So he got $100 million to be just on Spotify. And he has at least 11, 12 million people watching each episode, right? Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Nobody can debate his popularity. The problem is, is with some of his COVID information, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. So some people have said he, there needs to be warning labels. There needs to be some something on it when he talks about that particular issue. And what just recently happened was Neil Young um, said, well, I'm going to go or Joe can go. Now, Neil, I love Neil Young to death. Don't get me wrong. The dude, But you weren't going to win that. Um, you're not, even though, even though he's worth lots of money. Right? So, like, man, who the hell is you trying to, trying to, trying to throw your weight around with goddamn Joe goes Neil Young, right? Joni Mitchell then sides with Neil Young. I know who Neil Young is. Yep. Joni Mitchell then sides with Neil Young. Now, I sit there and I think, because at the same time that's happening, at the same time that's happening, and I, and I, because I, obviously I can get way too opinionated, but at the same time that's happening, and I would love to throw down with Joe Rogan, no, no joke about that. Ah, but at the same time, you have the word, yeah, you have Mouse, the, uh, the Holocaust graphic novel being banned in Tennessee, you have the word gay trying to get banned in elementary schools in Florida. You have censorship going up all Handmaid's Tale getting banned over here. What, what going, oh, yeah. All over what, the place. Wait, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're talking about some important shit. Hold on. Yep. Hold on. We said what? Hold on. Handmaid's Tale getting banned where? Yes. Here's why. And, and they're banning it from. So in parts of Ontario, it said it's no longer allowed to be in school curriculum. Here's why. The, the reason is because of the sexualized conduct uh, content, wait for it, wait for it, and trigger triggering issues surrounding 
um, violence. So when we allow censorship, right, it's kind of like a you open that door and in walk a lot of crazies, right? Yeah, I think, and so... Yeah, me, I think me, you're going to agree on this one. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I, you I'm sorry. You, 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 you blow my mind. I'm sorry. You blow my mind. I'm drinking my beer and I'm blabbling. I, I apologize. I ain't going to cut you no, off. No, no. Go ahead. Because I'm... I just think it's it's a step, right? But then I really have to do some internal work because then I'm like, if I'm not going to censor Joe Rogan because, you know, that could lead to problems. I mean, it, it, and, and maybe we classify as um, what we're allowed to censor because I also don't want to censor any th- any of this body of work that, uh, that allows for diversity and, and awareness and some of great pieces of literature. Oh, Lord of the Flies as well. Lord of the Flies is also on the chopping block in a lot of places. Yeah, the, uh, the bluest eye by Toni Morrison is too. Um, uh, uh, what else? I, I seen was Beloved also off the yeah, list. I seen Beloved. I seen Beloved too. I seen Beloved too. I seen yeah. I seen, excuse me. Yeah, so I think we, I see the censorship thing is it's a very complex issue, and I recognize that a lot of times when we think about like left versus right. A lot of people on the right believe that, well, if we can get censored, then it happened to you too. And I think that a lot of times when we look at it very like polarized in terms of bipartisanship, it, yeah. it becomes, I feel like, convoluted. You feel what I'm saying? I'm coming at it as an unapologetic black man from Bryan College Station, Texas. And what I recognize is that before, before Republicans started talking about censorship in America as a result of Donald Trump, the president, being kicked off of social media, niggas was already talking about being censored. As a matter yeah, of fact, yeah. my undergraduate degrees in African and African American studies, and we were thinking of, and we were already talking about censorship in that curriculum because we were thinking about the Black Panther Party, thinking about the mm-hmm. uh, New, New Africa, like thinking about SNCC, thinking about all these different organizations during the '60s that were not only uniquely censored, but literally had their presence in their language. You know what I'm saying? Permuting in ways that that made them deemed as "quote unquote" the biggest national, you know I'm saying, threats to international or the biggest. Threats to domestic security. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, I think that a lot of times when it comes to thinking about censorship, a lot of the standards that we set, I believe it's always already people of color, minorities, women, trans people, disabled people going to bear the brunt of whatever standard we set when it comes to censorship. And this is what I think. So I feel like it's kind of like a hard thing to think about the balance of, all right, me and you disagree. But we, we agree on freedom of speech and we think yeah. that we should be ethical. Yes. We disagree on what steam freedom of speech, and we disagree on what can be deemed as ethical and unethical. How can we come together and recognize that, hey, listen, when you saying that sexist homophobic shit, I think that shit is oppressive. Not only is it oppressive, it's unethical. It's a content community is literally where it's like, all right, man, it's a certain level of oppression that I can, I got a threshold for, because I got to give you freedom of speech. And I recognize how we condition is that I can deal with a little racism, a little sexism, a little homophobia, a little ableism. You get a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm being real with you, what makes me concede that is because of how normalized people think about, hey, I'm, I wish back in the day when I can just call you a slur and get away with it. Right, right, right. People are sensitive these days. <laughs> yes, like, 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 like literally, that's usually what happens. Though. We start talking about censorship. We're still talking about freedom of speech. A lot of people have a hard time with thinking about, hey, listen, in 1950 or 1970 or 1980, you can call me a nigga to my face. 
You feel me? You can call me a piccanini. You can do all that shit. You still can call me a nigga to my face. However, you recognize that freedom of speech, not freedom of consequence. Right. So, yes, your grandfather was able to call me a two-timing, sorry, lazy-ass nigga. You mad you can't get away with the same shit. Let's get it then. You can yeah. say what you want to say, but you might get hit in the mouth or you might what lose your job. Wasn't it Sam Jackson that had a, was he was getting interviewed and he goes, I know you want to say it. Go ahead and say it. You're allowed to say it. And I'm what? I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, go Didn't want to say it, though. Didn't want to say it. So to me, it showed like, now you you are having some yeah. cognitive dissonance where you're acknowledging on your first level of your inhibitions and your convictions that you should not say this word. But something yeah. inside of you wants you to kind of play with the water and be like, well, freedom of speech. And I should be able, you can't tell me what I can say or can't say. Well, shit, say it then. Say it right now. I ain't never really got nobody to say it. You see what I'm saying? But then even if they do say it, it's still like, do you feel better now that you've been able? How do you feel? Because me yeah, being yeah, me yeah. an academic, I'm just going to keep going. You know what I'm saying? But to me, I just I always think about censorship going to mean that black women, black trans, indigenous women, indigenous trans people are going to be police more because they said something that you didn't like and you believe that they's always supposed to be under you. That's what I think about censorship. What I know is that being an unapologetic black man born and raised down south and still live down south, a white person on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, they can tell me exactly how they feel, when they feel it, all that shit. But they expect me to be able to hold my tongue, play respectability politics, and want to play niceness, you know what I'm saying, when I respond. And I recognize that to me, that's censorship. Like literally back in the day, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about I'm really born and raised on a plantation. I'm talking about like, like, my family was enslaved while I was born and raised there. Well, some of them anyway. And what I know is like, shit, on the internet right now, hey, a white person can say something crazy to me on TikTok. I have to watch how I respond to them. Isn't that insane? I, mean? I can't respond to them crazy. I got I to gotta respond to them and say, hey, I know you didn't mean to be racist right. to me. Or I know I'm going to turn my other cheek and just try to give you this. If I have any passion or charisma or... Video going down, bullying and hate speech. Well, right? you know, you probably had lots of videos getting taken down for bullying or whatever when that wasn't even remotely being, you know, the, the, the case of it. I'm going to give you an example, though, because I think this inter issue of censorship is interesting because I, I, I honestly believe it needs to be wide open. But then I get to things like this in Alberta, province in Canada, not too long ago. All right. When I was in high school, so like in the 90s and before, there was a guy named James Keekstra that was teaching in Alberta for years, history 10, that the Holocaust never happened, that it was exaggeration, that it was all of that kind of stuff. Right. And he would have books, of course he have books right here. This book proves it. And that went on for years until this one Jewish kid moves into this small town near Edmonton and goes, Goes home that night and says, guess what we learned at school today? And it all goes to court. James Keekster says, and here we are, uh, it's freedom of speech. Now, in Canada, not so much. You're a, you're a representative of the government. That is not freedom of speech. That is hateful speech. That is all of that kind of stuff. Boom, he got fired. But how do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line because I think it's, it's so incredibly important to have this conversation between the two sides about what can and can't be said. Or do we just go, you know what? It's just like Jerry Springer. Remember when Jerry Springer used to bring on all those crazy white supremacists and they take off their hoods? You know, maybe we just let it roll and we let all the idiots show their faces, you know, and then we make 
choice. Then, then, then society gets to choose. But how do we draw those lines? I think it's like one of the most fundamentally important questions, especially when it comes to education. I feel like I think that from a we would have to have a first conversation between the distinction between material reality, symbolic reality, and feelings and bloodshed. And not say that feelings don't matter, but recognizing that, like, you know what I'm saying? But I, I think that's how it happened. Because in my mind, it's like, okay, if I say that, you know, in the public curriculum in America, for you to say that slavery was, you know, part of the enslavement of Africans was about civilizing them and saving us from savagery. If I say that is hurtful and violent, white supremacy shows me, and what I don't understand about white supremacy, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm being pessimistic, I'm a little pessimistic on it, but white supremacy tells me that if black progression happens, it's always going to be followed by white backlash. So if I can get the white folks in America to say, you know what, consciously, you're right. We shouldn't teach that the way that we brutalize you and enslave you was to help you. We shouldn't teach that. That's bad. However, our feelings is hurt when you start talking about slavery and we didn't do the slavery. You see what I'm saying? I know it's going to be a tip attack type shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, I live in Oklahoma. I'm born and raised in Texas thinking about moving back to Texas. The conservatives I'm born and raised around that I'm going to have to deal with and whether I want to run for office or whether I just want to vote. You feel me? Whether I want to just make sure my community is doing good, or I want to take the take the bull by the horns and make sure it's type shit. I know the people that I'm gonna have to try to reach across the aisle with. You feel me? We come from different, different, different shits, and the, and the way the world works is usually it's like they expect for me to adjust, to come to the middle and do the adjusting. Right now, I'm knowing like a lot of folks don't like me on the internet because it's like I tell you like, hold on, so you got more beef with me and how I'm responding to racism than you have with the actual racist? Yeah, fuck you in them. I don't care about how you feel about me. You feel me? As a matter of fact, whoever you're going to tell on me and they feel somebody about them, fuck them too. But that's usually how I be. Really, it's like, hey, what you see is what you get. I'm an educator that love to talk shit. Regardless of how much slang and ebonics I use, you cannot deny the substance and content of what I'm saying and them degrees speak for themselves. You see what I'm saying? You ain't got to send your child to my classroom. I'm going to be all right. But I'm going to be unapologetic in what I say. And it's just like, shit, I know a lot of times when I'm dealing with white folks down here, you know, it's not even white people. Anybody that decides they want to be in congruence with conservatism, you're gonna have beef. And then shit, it come a time too, even I'll be for liberals because liberals believe that they can't be racist or can't be white supremacist or can't be okay in anti-blackness. And it's like, nah, man, you pushing this shit too. You push the prison. Wait, wait, what? The prison industrial complex is also implicated with the left. You feel Absolutely. what I'm saying? The disenfranchised yep. of the black community is also implicated with the left. You know well, what I'm saying? It's like. That's how we feel. Like, man, a lot of this shit be coming off as y'all got y'all little bipartisan bullshit going on, and y'all don't recognize that y'all exposing to a lot of us people of color that we just pawns. And I feel like that's across. Like, so in 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 Canada, we have three major political parties, a couple of extra parties, right? But we have three major political parties, and and a lot of times when I come down, let's say on the right. When I come down on the right, as opposed to coming down on the left, they'll say, oh, well, you just love the left. I'm like, listen, just because I come down on this policy doesn't mean that all of a sudden I agree with everything on the other side. Stop distracting. I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like the word tradition ever. I don't like it. I don't think it never it never starts a good argument. Oh, it's tradition. Stop it. 
Yeah, anti-tradition all the way. I'm with you on that one. Um, right? it, you, you proved to me that it has valid, like it's, you know, there's some validity to it now. It has power now. It does good now. Amazing. I'm with you. But that's not because it's tradition. It's not because you've always done it. It's because it has value today. Right? Like Agreed. you need to prove that to me. So when conservatives of any stripe are all about conserving, because that's in their title, they want to conserve, they want to hold on to, they want to... They want to move slowly. I say to them, what the hell are you holding on to? What is it about the past? What is it about that tradition that you find valid? You know, you, you, you'll, you'll give a nice little throwbacks to riding your bike in the street. Is that is this what we're talking about? See, I'm thinking, I think conservative contradictions, though. I was thinking conservative contradictions. As a black person on the internet that talks a lot about white supremacy and anti-blackness and, you know, systemic racism and shit like that, I'm told that I'm a victim and I'm staying in the past. Yeah. By definition, conservatives are defined by what yeah. they are trying to conserve the past. So I just think of, like, God, there it is. well, ain't this funny, huh? So you literally sticking to your guns about traditions that are literally... We only get traditions based off of how we are doing shit over time. So it's like you say I'm stuck in the past, but you fighting for tradition. That don't even make sense. Absolutely, I think that it. Well, it's it's constant. It is constantly a hypocrisy, no matter which way you slice it. Um, and, and that's true across the board. Here's my question for you. I have a big mouth. I do. Uh, and I'll speak on a lot of issues, right? I'll speak about being gay. I'll speak about being a woman. I'll speak, I'll speak about indigenous rights. I'll speak about black. I'll speak across the board. And sometimes I'll get that whole, you, you are a white savior piece, right? And I'm like, first of all, I, I don't, if you're going to say that about me, say how I'm not holding space or say, Say how not, you know, if I'm saying something, it's not about me rectifying any sort of, it's not me be about dispelling a truth. It's about me holding space and highlighting those truths, right? That's the point of allyship. But I think this lovely little word, white savior, that's been stolen by the conservatives or is just a way to disempower anybody that would be outside of community a from ever having a voice it is the quickest way to keep the whole divide and conquer mentality so that nobody ever steps up together because heaven for heaven forbid right heaven forbid the all of those minority populations step up together because the power structure will be in some trouble Man, I think you just hit the nail on the head. There's a conservative bastardization of things that come from outside their culture where they are able to take that shit and make it something that it's not. As a black man, we've been saying niggas is woke and, 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 and stay woke and you social justice and you feel me, you you know what I mean, all that shit for, for decades. Now that this thing came across white conservative America now to be woke or to, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 be conscious or to, you know what I mean, do all that shit. Can even, even the idea of cancel culture, that come from the black community. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? My song, an old ass song from it. It's just like, I think that there's a lot to be said about how a lot of terms or concepts get convoluted and bastardized and distancing from what they're originally used for. And then they get, and then they literally get used by conservatives or just period, white people, period. And they'd be like, God damn, let me get this straight. You say African-American vernacular English bad, or you say African-American vernacular English and the shit that we do to express ourselves is always some inferior shit. 
Right. But you'll figure out a way to either A, straight copy it, bling, bling, swag, whatever, or just make it something it ain't. Like, damn. So now being woke in America, especially if you're talking about mainstream America, that idea and concept is a demonized, deviant concept. How insane. What a... And, and I, I was thinking about that the other day. What a powerful thing they were able to get away with. What a powerful thing to say the words woke, which mean waking up, understanding all of the intersectionality, understanding oh, all of the, and, and turning it into something horrible. They woke. They say it's bad. <laughs> that's, that's an amazing sleight of hand. That's an amazing, that's on the level of 9-11 happening, Bush going into Afghanistan, can't find Osama, and invading Iraq as a distraction. That's on that level. We're looking for weapons of mass destruction. Now we're going to spread democracy. Now we're going to stop dictatorship. <laughs> now we're going to establish democracy. Now we're going to keep on moving that shit. And that's really how I see it is. It's like literally, to me, I feel like what we're explaining to me is anti-blackness. Even though I recognize that there are particular instances or phenomenons that's not necessarily white versus black, I would still argue that the paradigm of anti-blackness is what's able to make this thing possible. And how we're able to see people as being fungible objects and whatever they can produce is up of the whims of the world and you're never seen as a producer, but we love your products. And to me, it's like we get into Afro-pessimism in terms of literature. And it's like, I think that the people that's doing that literature over there, it, it, it makes sense, you feel me? The world is structured by anti-blackness. Civil society situates upon the black body that makes it where we're seeing as being socially dead, make sure we're seeing that we're being, uh, uh, like, what is it, incredibly dishonored or some shit like that, and then, you know what I'm saying, uh, a gratuitous violence. And it's like, I think that a lot of times when we think about how different groups, you feel me, are positioned, you feel me, a lot of times they go through that process of being blackened or the people that are experiencing it will literally use different examples of black oppression to explain how their oppression is happening. And I think yeah. that this is where I'm going to start coming in terms of anti-black, afro-pessimism. Yeah, yeah. like, what about me? What about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how. Like, literally, I'm a debate coach. You know what I'm saying? I, I, and, and, and I debated for policy debate coach, you know what I'm saying, in terms of college, right? When we're doing these debates, I'm debating about Marxism and socialism and Heidegger and Nietzsche and all the white philosophers, whether they're from Germany or France. You see what I'm saying? I know all them motherfucking ass, right? Right, right, right. Through debate, I'm having though to, I'm being forced to create these intellectual simulations of being like, all right, you advocate for something that's going to solve for anti-blackness. What about me? Yeah. What so I'm me? digging deeper into the lecture, into literature, uh, into literature. I'm starting to learn, like, yeah, I can now I can sit here and think about how anti-blackness can explain sexism or transphobia. You see what I'm saying? Like, but, but it's like shit, take, take that time. I'm, I'm a little rusty right now, but shit, I feel like I could do it though. <laughs> Absolutely, I think that, and I and I think that there's a vested interest in making sure that people keep, like I said, that the power structure that exists keep people fighting about the lack of intersectionality or the lack of congruency between those different ideas. So I can sit up top, not necessarily me (coughs) and say, not my fault. You guys fight amongst yourselves. I'm just going to stay back here and count my money or (coughs) run this. You already said said that conservatism indoctrinates you to believe in an individualistic reality that says that if you're poor or you fucked up, and if you don't want to be poor or don't want to be fucked up, pull yourself out of your bootstraps. The way that the elites, both liberal and conservative, are able to distance themselves is by being able to say, hey, I'm going to act like we're not playing with shit on the background. 
I don't make it like everything that happens on the stage is because of you. Ain't no stage directors. Like, nah, stop playing with me. You feel me? But I think that that's a lot of times how it's able to happen. Be on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Shit, you 100 there, I'm 100 there. We dry ass argument debating about capitalism in Texas. You ain't gonna, me or you ain't gonna never be in a damn tax bracket. But shit, we about to fight, ready to fight. We ready to knock each other's faces off. And we arguing about some shit you ain't gonna never have. You ain't gonna never be no damn Bill Gates. You ain't gonna never be no goddamn Mark Zuckerberg. But you slip it down, you is. And because you think you might be, you feel like, yeah, man, we should always give billionaires what they want and how they want. Because when I'm a billionaire, I wanna be able to do what I want, how I want. And I feel like that's usually how it works. It's like, man, you, you 100 there. You was born broke, you don't die broke. If these people you defending woke up with shit, double the money that you have, it wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. But you Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And we constantly forget about that. And we constantly forget that everything, you know, has a price. And that everything, it was interesting because I started, obviously, anytime I want to criticize capitalism, anytime I want to talk about anytime. it. Anytime. I'm a communist. Right. Any time it is. And again, it's just like why this this brilliant setup is so incredibly destructive for ninety nine point nine percent of the population where you pit, where you cannot fix a broken system where a a, a baseball player is getting paid five hundred times what a cardiac surgeon is getting paid, where like. We have a broken system. We have monopoly formations left, right, and center. We have governments that give in, that that give cashback and incentives and bailouts to major corporations, and then hang bankruptcy on people for seven. This whole system is, exists, and as soon as I challenge it, as soon as I say this is not good enough, that's it. The, the conversation's over, unless people already agree with me, right? Then they're like, "Yay!" Capitalism puts the cap like cap putting the cap in capitalism is like what you're getting at right now. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a lot of the tenets don't really make sense. In my mind, if capitalism is always already about innovation and creativity, why why in a capitalist system am I always limited to history? Because in my mind, I'm a debate coach. You feel me? I'm a debate coach, I debate. So I'm gonna be petty and think like, hey, peep game. I believe I'm a bad motherfucker. What this means is that me and you sitting around thinking about political, social, economic systems, I'm not going to limit myself to what has been. I think I'm worried enough to come up with some shit. So shit, I think socialism is full of shit, capitalism full of shit, communism full of shit. It's all centered and all structured around what? Infinite growth. Infinite growth is not good for the community, not good for the environment, not good for none of that shit. Infinite growth will always going to lead to exploitation. The question is whether we're talking about these different systems is who's going to be exploited? I believe that if you are conditioned in a capital system, really any system, you feel me? It's like, but people name, no. If you believe creativity and innovation is, is, is God, then how come you can't be creative and innovative your way into a new system? It don't make no sense. And that's really what I to me putting the cap in capitalism. Because you that's automatically agree, believe that I'm opposing your shit. I got to be over there. And it's like, damn. I thought the socialist was, was the one that was stuck in the binaries. Either this or that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought capitalism gave me endless goddamn uh, uh, alternatives and options and shit. You no, said you're, limited to me. You're supposed to read Adam Smith and never, ever, ever change. You just stay uh, there. That's really how I see it, too. And it's really why I believe in America, Canada, a lot of these Western countries, you feel me, that's built off of that old school, traditional, Eurocentric bullshit about democracy and civilization. They 
slowly but surely imploding from the inside and falling in last place. And it's and it's fascinating. Again, a lot of people right now, freedom, right? Freedom is without getting into any of that other kind of stuff right now about COVID. But freedom is this big thing. And what I would love people to be able to understand. And everybody says, well, we live in the most we live in the freest country in the world. Most Americans will say that to me. And I'm like, who? I don't think you understand the definition. We don't understand the definition. It is not to do anything you you think is completely acceptable in your world. That's not the definition. It's not simply I get to go check a box beside somebody's name. I say to my students all the time, what if I promise you 10 things and you vote for me and I come through with two of those things? What the hell point was that democracy? You just explained America in a nutshell. (laughs) What's the point? And, if, and the best part is, if I come through with two, I'm a freaking genius. Swear to God. I'm up here, right? I'm up here because I prompt. Well, look, I know the eight I didn't come through on, but man. I know, I know, about, so I know in the hood, that'd be like, mama would be like, hey, I'm not finna reward you for some shit you're supposed to do anyway. Politicians will feel like that, though. They'll feel like, hey, I promised you 50 million things. I only came through with one and a half. But see, you got to understand, I ain't have all the power and I ain't have all the influence. And, this, that, and, the other. and I think that a lot of people around the world is just really starting to get tired with a lot of these aristocrats. You feel me? A lot of these elites. You know what I'm saying? And shit is what it come down to. Like, what? We know that the, the Trumps, the Clintons, and whoever the prime ministers, the last three or four prime ministers of the goddamn, you feel me, Canada, or whatever, whatever y'all call y'all pepper, the person that released y'all shit, they, they, they friends, man. They didn't. Oh, 100%. They didn't smoke the bowl together. They didn't drunk a beer together. They didn't <laughs> been to the movies together. They didn't did all that shit together. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I know about throughout the world is that a lot of the nation states, you know what I'm saying, internet, like literally international relations is usually about how elite people throughout the world are able to share ideas and resources. A lot of us on the bottom of the international relations, the people that's getting pimped out, the people that's really funding all this shit, we starting to peep game and see what's going on. And really what happened is when it's all said and done and we, go, we get into like the Black Mirror type reality, a lot of these elites going to be after goddamn Mark Zuckerberg and the creators of TikTok and shit because they the one decentralizing where, listen, you and I, hey, I'm, I'm in Oklahoma right now having this conversation. I'm in Oklahoma. You wait up there in Canada. We didn't need nobody to facilitate this conversation. Yeah, exactly. together. The yep. more people in power start to realize, hey, man, you That's can it. That it's gonna get, it's gonna get ugly. It's gonna get ugly. Like the more and more we start to have conversations between Americans and Canadians and Kenyans and people from the UK and people from Sweden and people from Nigeria, yeah, and we conversations and we criticize and we start to be, connect the dots and being like, hold on, so your leader said this, my leader said this. Oh, for real. <laughs> start connecting dots, shit start getting ugly. The next thing you know, shit, they're gonna be linked up together. All that old America versus Canada bullshit, they'll be gone. And all of they foot soldiers that's gonna fight for them and you know what I'm saying, fight for the military that's gonna do whatever. But some of them is gonna be like, nah, I only came for the military to feed myself and survive because you ain't give me another way to do it. I'm not gonna do this. But that's really yeah. how I see it. But hey, I told you though, I told you I'm drinking this beer and, it, and when I got halfway through it, you would know. <laughs> Well, I got to go you one step further because I still say we need personal responsibility. I'm so tired of people listening to any politician ever say things like, I'm not going to charge any more taxes, but I'm going to give you more. We got to take that responsibility. We got to stop. People are like, a vote, I've let, stop it. We can't. And then they blame them. I'm like, I'm sorry. You listen to an individual 
And it doesn't matter, woman. I don't care. You listen to an individual that said to you, your taxes weren't going to go up by a dollar. Actually, in fact, they said they were going to cut your taxes and you were going to get more social services. Talk about cognitive dissonance. You moron. Where does social services come from? The sun? The ground? Is we minting that shit like Bitcoin? (laughs) (laughs) I just, I find it so, so infuriating. And I have this, I, I, I say this to my students all the time. I say, I think there's two kinds of people. I really do. I think there's two kinds of people. Politics aside, there's people who believe that a just society will build a just economy. And then there's the rest of them who believe a just economy, like a healthy economy, is somehow going to manufacture a just society. I'm going to go with the last thing you said. I feel like both of them kind of seem like, eh, but the last thing to me sound like the most better, though. Like, shit. I don't even know. You think a healthy economy would build a just society. You think if, because I, I think the focus is- no, because technically we didn't have a healthy economy. <laughs> we said like that again, like, no, nah, we did have a healthy economy. It was called the slave and then slave. Well, King Cotton, King Cotton was an amazing, just economy. Amazing. Because in my how mind, what is it? How do you define just through a pure capitalist lens? You can't, but that's my point. I think that's my point. I think my there point is, no, is no consumption under capitalism. That's your point. If we had a just society, we would never end up in a capitalist one. Yeah, that's about a just society. When we worried about those other spheres, those other yeah. spheres would take care of themselves. We can recognize Absolutely. the distinction between politics, society, and economy, and we see that those three things are kind of what moves the world. If we had, in my opinion, yeah, just society to make those other two prongs, the political and the economic, it would feel like it would be more, it would take care of itself. You You wouldn't have to fashion it. You wouldn't have to construct it. You wouldn't have to limit it, right? You wouldn't have to do any of those things because we'd already be Technically, politics is supposed to bring social order over society and economics is supposed to fund the social order over society. So if we have a just society, we ain't got to worry about, you feel me, being governed. You know what I'm saying? Oh, think about it like this. I can't think about which white philosopher said it, but I know it's white. I don't know. It ain't too me understanding how America and Canada, how we, how we, how we in cahoots. Mm-hmm. This, this is what I'm about to say. It's been, it's been thrown around in Canada too. The government that governs the best governs the least. Oh yeah, I think I want to say that was Smith. That Smith. I yeah, no, it's an it's an economist because he's like, if the governed steps out of it, it's all gonna go, it's all gonna play properly, right? That's the that's the underlying principle. I love politicians that say, You're gonna vote for me because I'm gonna tr- control the economy, right? I'm gonna bring down inflation, I'm gonna make sure you can buy a house, I'm gonna make sure that all of this stuff doesn't affect your pocketbook, and then they get elected and they say, Oh, the economy is this you know, outside existing entity that I can't control. What the hell am I voting for you then for? If you can't control the economy, what, what are you doing up in there? Nothing. I think that, I think that in the Western world, the position of politicians is structured by patriarchy and misogyny. (laughs) Uh, I believe that on the individual level, the same way that dudes are, you feel me, conditioned to be deceitful, 
about asking a woman on a date, even though you're really trying to get some draws, about telling her she's beautiful and fine, even though you really want to take advantage of her sexually. I believe that the position of being a politician operates the same misogynistic, patriarchal way. I'm going to deceive you for you to give me some type of pseudo consent for me yep. to fuck you over. <laughs> and I don't say it because you gave me pseudo consent. You agree with me fucking you over. That's what, yeah, that's how, like, politicians, that's, how, that's how politicians work. It's pseudo consent, but it's also the game, right? Because, like, you are thinking about going into politics. I've thought about going into politics, and it's that pseudo consent that stops yeah. me from taking that step. Swear to God, me too. Like, man, I don't know about this shit. Right? What happens when you when people like you and I step into politics? One of two things. A, we're not successful because nobody's going to listen to us because we're speaking too much truth. Or B, we're going to start compromising. And we're going to start making deals to play the game, to get power. And once we get that power, what the hell's the point? And you literally, I, I, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I'm usually a guy, I'm usually a man of nuance that likes to bring a lot of complexity. But I'm, I'm going to concede to your simplicity to get that one up. Because usually, my understanding of politics, when you're on some freedom fight, activist, revolutionary shit, is really you either get bought out, sold out, killed, or you fail. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's really what it is. It's really just two things. Either you're going to be conformed or you're going to be, you feel me, pushed out. That's really what it is. Like, you're going to either buy into so much shit that the original supporters of you can't even identify your ass no more, or yep. you're going to stay so real to what you said you was going to do, you can't get any support from the people already playing the game because they see the way that you want to play the game. It's going to take away from the shit they invested in. 100%. 100%. Which makes me so depressed. <laughs> but, but, I'm going to say but, but it's exactly what you said earlier. And I know I've taken up a lot of your time, so I'll try to round it out. But it's what you said earlier. I think true democratic power, true revolutionary power, true powers of change, it exists right here. Exist on this platform that it is impossible to regulate, impossible to control, impossible to mitigate. And the more that real people put their faces and their ideas and their experience on here, the less that up there gets to play those games consistently, the less that they get to roll out those lies and everybody keeps buying into them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think that cryptocurrency in the Arab Spring, I'm in, I'm in the right now a little bit, but I think the quote-unquote Arab Spring yeah. in like 2014 with yeah. the Muslim Brotherhood and shit was going on in like Syria Egypt, yeah. Bahrain. To me, that at that time, what was going on in America and this Bitcoin shit, to me, is just showing like, yeah, right now, the world as a whole is going through the a falling of a dynasty. Yeah, 100%. The American dynasty is falling, but I think that a lot of the old elite ruling on top ass motherfuckers is like, don't realize that your position bred a lot of ignorance and you don't have a lot of survivability and you don't have a lot of perspective to really see what's going on. So a lot of people have smelt your shit and stink and it stinks. You still think your shit smell like flowers. You don't recognize the people that your constituents, the people you're trying to control, people you're trying to get support from, they already have come to the conclusion you're full of shit. Me and you was able to have this conversation. We didn't have to go through U.S. Customs or Canadian Customs. We didn't have to pass nobody. You decided I like you. I decided I like you. And it was like we had a conversation. The more this shit happened, I really believe the more people going to start getting, you know what I'm saying, what's going on. What? These motherfuckers that tried to 
cut off cryptocurrency. They really could have just been like, you know what? These motherfuckers want to be woke. I'm going to expose how crypto hurts the environment. They didn't right. do that. They don't want to do They don't care about the environment. What they no. doing is trying to get their way in. It's not they trying to create bullshit-ass alternatives. Basically, my point is decentralizing power or power being deconstructed always make powerful people feel upset and powerless people feel liberated. And that's really how I end that right there. That's really what I recognize. Like, shit. That is it. Well, you made your law supposed to control powerless people because you're powerful and now you're getting mad for that powerless people. People you see as being powerless, you and it's not, and that's, and, and, and on that, and I know that, you know, we'll, we'll round it out, but I definitely want a part two. So we're just going to have to plan another part two, even though it took us seven years to get to part one. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey listen, we, we, we both intelligent, busy, you know what I'm saying? People Absolutely. that got big hearts that deal with shit, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So don't take it, don't take Absolutely. it, don't take 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 it, and reschedule like 10 times. We've been talking about so months, four months. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm glad that we finally got to do it. I enjoyed this conversation. And listen, man, Canadians and Americans, man, we need to have more goddamn conversation. But people ain't know. Y'all got to let us talk how we want to talk, though. And this goes for like black people in Canada and black people in America. It's like, listen, don't try to police us and how we want to use ebonics or slang or a particular vernacular to express ourselves. You feel what I mean? You yeah. got to be able to recognize what's going on and be able to understand the language of the oppressed and not make it where the oppressed always got to understand the language of the oppressor. You know what I'm saying? And recognize that in different instances that you might be the oppressed or oppressors, but ultimately, do not try to police how niggas express themselves. You feel me? Like, yeah. a lot of people probably going to like how I express myself, whether you're in America or Canada listening to this, but I don't care about that. But what I recognize is that you cannot deny what I'm putting down in terms of Absolutely. the substance, the content, the, histor- the history, the factual claims. You can... I wish he didn't cuss so much. I wish he wasn't as loud. I wish he didn't use so much ebonics and slang. Fuck all that. You yeah. heard some facts, though. Well, look, and, and, and having said that, language as a controlling factor is, we're starting to see how incredibly dogmatic people are being with language. And the point of being dogmatic with language is to control, is to keep tradition in power, is to keep keep what was always being. And it all starts with language. I know that's very postmodern, but that's where it is. It all starts with language. So allow language to be what it is, which is a man-made construction. And it is fluid and it is representative of different people in different times, in different contexts, with different realities. So let it go. Don't try to control that. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. All right, love. Control. I want to thank you so much for being on here. I, re- I know that you have a million things to do. I really appreciate it. I want you to come back whenever you have time, you throw me a text and we're going to come back on here and we'll just, we'll keep at it. Hey, and this time I'm in this too. Yo people in Canada that you know, and like your little area, the network you didn't build, figure out a way to get this black conscious Southerner to Canada, man. I'm trying to, I'm trying to come to Canada and do some work, figure out some shit. I got the website, I got all these products and services, mainly services, I guess would be that, but I, and even their services be like, listen, 
that gotta be a way I can come to the Toronto area or whatever like area it. you in. Well, listen, other listeners and followers listen to this. My name is George Lee, aka Consciously. Don't forget to leave. You can find me at theconsciously.com or georgeleespeaks.com. I got a master's degree in human relations. I have a master's degree in dog education. And when I'm not on the internet talking shit, I'm doing diversity inclusion trainings or doing soft core trainings about professional development, believe it or not, even though I cut so much, or I'm literally in the classroom talking and speaking, teaching about race, class, gender, ability, and sexuality. This means that I can do trainings about how this shit impact the workspace. You feel me? Civility in the workspace. You feel me? Gender discrimination at the workspace. You feel me? Racial discrimination at the workspace. And I don't, I'm, a, I'm not, I'm not going to just give you a cool ass poet way to talk about the problem. I'm going to give you a method, a strategy, a methodology to deal with the shit. You feel me? TheConsciously.com, JoyceLeeSpeaks.com, J-I. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you so much. And guys, I'm going to put all of those links in the description of the episode. Thank you so much, sir. I will see you soon. And I will see all of you guys next Tuesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Next Tuesday. Yeah. Dismissed.